Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, good morning. Hey, we're excited. We're in week two of our core series, uh, the core values of HCF. And so uh, this week we're looking at Bible believing. Uh, I would hope that'd be a core value in some phrasing of every uh, Jesus following church. Uh, It certainly is for us. And uh, in that, we're always going to find what to do from the word of God as we study it, grow in it, learn it, and apply it. Um, I want to start off with a passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, to really uh, give an understanding of the, the importance of the Word of God uh, for us. This is what the author of Hebrews, Hebrews writes, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not like an uh uh-oh. It's a good thing that the the word of God shows us what's in there um, in our lives and in our hearts and shows us what to do. And, And God's word is certainly a guide for all the big things you do in life, the decisions you make, uh, who you marry, where you live, uh, you know, what, what vocation you do, uh, all those big things in life. But, but what I love about the Word of God, it's, it's for every teeny tiny aspect of our lives as well. Every decision and action that we make can be, can be found specifically in the Word of God for, for what to do. Uh, the Holy Spirit can, can illuminate that, that specific action, uh, maybe not do something kind of action or, or decision that, that we make. Um, every perfect choice is right here in the Word of God. There's nothing that it misses for us. It shows us what we're doing really well because Jesus loves to encourage his followers. It also uh, helps us to see what we need to change and get rid of. That sharp two-edged sword uh, can, be, can be likened to a surgeon's scalpel. And so there's certain things that at times in our lives need to be cut away. Uh, Imagine a tumor attached to a spinal cord or uh, a diseased part of uh, of a lung or a kidney or something. Uh, A skilled surgeon can go in there and and slice away what doesn't need to be in there for the health of the body. And so that's what one of the things the Word of God does. It it highlights things and it's like, hey, that... uh, language you use. I'm going to slice that away. That attitude you have of just being so mean to people, I'm going to, I'm going to cut that out. That uh, lifestyle you have there where you're addicted to this or, or maybe you're living uh, a lifestyle with, uh, of sexual immorality or something. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I love you enough to, to show you this so that we can slice it out of your life. And the Word of God gives us every Every answer for how we live our lives as we apply it. The the Father wants to destroy the things in us that don't need to be there and that hinder us from looking like Jesus, getting closer to Jesus, and acting like Jesus. What, What doesn't need to be in our individual lives, 
what doesn't need to be in a Christian community, he'll highlight those things and he'll, he'll show them to us for the sake of, of being free from that. So then as we grow and we grow and we grow, he can go, man, you, this, is, this is the amazing thing you're doing. He's not, he doesn't give us the word of God to beat us down. Bible thumping is never in the Bible, right? So uh, if, you're, if you grew up somewhere where they called them Bible thumpers, that's, well, all of us 50-year-olds, we get that. Uh, but it's meant to help us to live healthy and whole lives. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's writing, and he says this um, in verses 16 and 17. All scripture, this entire thing here, all of it, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. God wrote everything as the Holy Spirit spoke it to people who put it down on paper. They were nothing more than a giant pen for God. That's really what they were because he is the one. He inspired it. He said it. He had them write it. It's his. And that's, of course, what we believe as a church, that there is no fallacy in this word. There is no controversy as far as it having a controversy against itself uh, in this word. And then it says, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what to do right. God uses it, the word, to prepare and equip people to do every good work. So this here prepares us and equips us to do everything good on planet earth that we're a part of in our lives. So our big idea today, you heard on the, on the, the little bumper video that went up is we have unity in the essentials, which we'll talk about, and we have grace in everything. All along the way, we have grace in everything. And sometimes that's really easy to move forward and sometimes it's very messy. But it's okay. If you wanted to go to a church that's not messy, uh, you need to, you need to uh, you know, leave now and go find one because we're gonna be real and we got stuff to deal with and we got stuff that God's cutting away. If God's cutting away stuff from our lives, don't you think naturally it's already gonna be messy with his hands involved in it? Okay, whenever a surgeon cuts away a tumor, it's not like there's no blood anywhere, right? But it's for the health, and it's for the goodness, and it's for the, 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 the ongoing uh, life lived out well. So there's going to be messy times as, as we operate with grace and everything, and we don't have a, a specific hardcore rule that we bash people with, and we say, well, if you don't measure up to this, you're not allowed here. No, we want everyone here because we want to become more like Jesus together in Christian community. And in essence, as I looked at it, I was reading it, this, our, uh, you know, our statement there, unity, is, unity in the essentials and grace in everything, I thought of, hey, we get Jesus right, and then we love others from there. We get Jesus right, and then we just love other people from that point. And me loving this person who follows Jesus really maturely will look a little different than me loving a person as they are a brand new believer or even outside of our church, somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I might love them in a little different way than I would that strong believer in Jesus. But that's the Holy Spirit guiding me through it all. In all of our discussion about the Bible, about Christianity, about reaching others and, and going into this world, we show grace. We have grace 
We lead with grace. We follow up with grace. And at the end, if there's no agreement on the non-essentials, we, we, we leave it there with grace as we continue to do relationship with one another. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, it's a very famous chapter, right? The love chapter. Paul writes this in verse two, and I love how the, the God's word translation puts it. I may have the gift to speak what God has revealed, and I may understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. I may even have enough faith to move mountains, but if I don't have love, grace in action, I am nothing, Paul says. You see, we start with love first. And it, it's not a sloppy love. It's just, a, it's just the kind of love that Jesus had when he walked on planet Earth. Because everything, the reason we're in this word is to find out what Jesus did and how he did it and then act like him. So, so Jesus lived his life and showed us the perfect example to live. That's why he was able to die on the cross for all of our sins because he lived the perfect human life and he took the punishment for humanity because he lived it out perfect. So if we ever wonder, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus act? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus respond? We have it. And that's why we're Bible believing because we wanna know Jesus. I'm not, I'm not gonna be in this word to add to my knowledge quota. I'm in this word to add to my Jesus understanding quota. I wanna learn him more and know him better. That's why we get in the word. Not to tick some, some mark and go, oh, I've, I did my Bible for the year. No, it's my Jesus for my lifetime. That's what it is. We start with love. We love the entire time. We keep showing love because love always wins. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, love always wins. So we let love lead us. In, uh, in Ephesians 3 and 4, we're gonna spend most of our time today the passage we're going to get to in a little bit is from chapter four that kind of goes with this core value. But I want to back up to, to chapter three of Ephesians and look at um, verses 14 through, through 21. Paul's writing and, and uh, he, he's excited that, that the church has been called as the messengers of Jesus now. And, and, and he, he, he's excited that, you know, by... By the way we live and the way we love each other, that, uh, that the world around them is going to see that Jesus is different. So he prays for us. He prays that, that love would overflow from our lives. In Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, he says, when I think of all this, what we're called to do, and, and that you're chosen by God to share the message, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited riches, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow deep, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power, Paul says, to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. I love that. He's like, I hope you experience it all, but it's too much to even understand. That's the both and of Jesus. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 
Now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, Paul says. And then he goes on to plead with us. Verse one of the very next chapter, chapter four, he says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to, live, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So who's called by God? Missionaries? Pastors? Every believer on the planet? Every believer is called by God. He says it right here. A, live a life worthy of your calling. Well, am I called? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Answer is yes, you're called. And you're the only one that can do certain things that Jesus has planned even ahead of time for you to do. But you are, you are living worthy of your calling to follow and be a messenger of Jesus. So Paul has just described this new way of life for us as, as God would have it. To have this great understanding, this, this fall in love with Jesus, get it more and more, get it into us, have it flow out of us, to be, to be filled with overflowing, that we're called by him. So he's urging believers to live out their daily lives with humility and patience and love to walk just like Jesus did. That's what Paul's saying. A Bible-believing follower of Jesus will simply live like Jesus did. This is the way to live, this written word. The Bible is Jesus. The word of God was the word of God before the word of God was written down on pen and paper or whatever they would have used, parchment and ink, I mean, whatever. But like Jesus was the word before the word was written. That's what we have in scripture, it says that. So he's the Bible before the Bible. And, and so because the Bible is all about Jesus, studying it and learning it and, and applying it is us just being in love with Jesus. Just like you would somebody who matters in your life, you wanna get to know him, you're not like, well, I, I read about you. I'm so glad I'm married to you. Uh, I hope more people write about you and I can study it more. No, we, we get to know that person because that's the person we're in love with. So we read the word of God to be more in love with Jesus. And Paul encourages us to do whatever it takes to grow strong in Jesus, to know him more. He's saying, live from this word and you'll live complete in Jesus. And then he gives us, starting in verse two, those essentials in the faith that we need to agree on. And it's very powerful. And it's very, uh, it's full, only, what, five verses, but it's extremely full. He says, always be humble and gentle. Anybody fail right away, right? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now remember this, he's writing to the church. Now we need to make allowance for the lost's faults too. But the first place we apply this, according to Paul and Jesus, who led him to write this, is in the church, is in the, the family of God. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, Peace is the superglue. For there is one body, 
one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So we have one Lord, and his name is Jesus. There are no additions needed. There is, no, uh, there is no changing who Jesus is. There's no adding to him in any way. We have one Lord. His name is Jesus. So we must agree on this first. This is the essential that any Jesus-following Christian church should agree on. Only Jesus. And, and most would probably say, yeah. And then sometimes you go in, you dive in, and you go, but why does your church do this then? And those are not necessarily the essentials of the faith, the things we have grace in as we talk them through, but I mean, if a church condones abortion, if a, if a church condones uh, adultery or, or, or fornication or, or cheating on your taxes and well, you know, whatever makes you feel good, then they're not following the one Lord because the one Lord says how to live. But we have grace in that. Jesus is the essential that we start with. He's the absolute Jesus is the basics. He's the plural. He, he doesn't need any more. He's the basics of Christianity. And so we show, at the same time, Paul says, we show gentleness and, 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 and generous love towards others in the body and outside the church. And I love what the, I think it's a passion translation on that one part. It says, especially those who may try your patience. Now, when he says it all, like if I'm reading King James or something, I might get away with it. But if I read, show generous love and patience with those who especially try your patience, I'm like, oh, come on. Now you're just poking and prodding, right? Anybody have somebody who tries their patience in life? There's only 12 honest people in this room. You're trying my patience, liars. No, uh, we have, we have somebody who tries our patience. Maybe we're not around them all the time. Maybe it's at Thanksgiving and Christmas or, or whatever it might be. Um, but, but we have somebody who tries our patience. And we may even go, that's probably a part on me. But they still try our patience. And so he says, be patient with them and, and show generous love towards them. Generous love says, I give and I don't need anything back. If I'm like, I'm going to be loving once I see how they act, well, that's not generous love. That's, uh, you know, some kind of reciprocal love that you're demanding from that person. But living in and from the Holy Spirit is what Paul's talking about. In fact, next week, our core number three is spirit-led. And so we'll hear about what it means to be a church and a people and individual followers who are spirit-led because we have the spirit of the living God in us He's our comforter and our counselor, so he'll show us everything that needs to be done and what all that looks like. We contend strongly, Paul says. We strive for uh, unity in the church, that peace. We gotta, it sounds funny to like, we're fighting for peace, but we're gonna, we're gonna be you know, vigilant in, in contending for peace in our lives together so that the enemy can't fracture us. So there's not, you know, 17 Hill Country Fellowships in Burnett County. Uh, and all of them, you know, add a street name to them because they all broke apart. You see that in some places. Uh, you see, why is there a first Baptist, a second Baptist, and a da-da-da Baptist? And not picking on that, but you see that a lot, right? Because they, they couldn't get along somewhere along the way. And it might not even have been those people that are there, but somewhere along the way they couldn't get along. 
peace got diluted and they said, we're just gonna split. Their essentials probably stayed the same, Jesus, 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 but they didn't have grace in everything and so they weren't able to walk stuff through. And then from Paul, he's saying, as you get the essentials of the word down, the one faith, one Lord, one baptism, all that, we live out these redeemed, transformed new lives in Jesus. Again, towards our church family first and then, and then the loss that he sends us to. Colossians chapter three uh, tells us more about this new life of following Jesus. In fact, if you're uh, at men's ministry this week or um, at Wednesday Night Live, we're gonna be going through chapter three of, of Colossians. But in Colossians three, verse 12, It says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Uh Uh-oh, now we're getting picky. And forgive anyone, you could add in everyone who might offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's one of the reasons we take communion a little bit later. We, we always ask for a pause as you're taking communion as a Jesus follower. Hey, is there anything you need to take care of in your heart? Because he forgave you, you're remembering this forgiveness moment for all of eternity, but make sure that you're right in your heart towards others. And so there's that pause to, hey, Holy Spirit, if, if there's something I need to take care of relationally, show it to me. So he says, above all, clothe yourselves in love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. Let this message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So for Paul, it it wasn't enough just to believe the right things or study the right things. It's our actions and our words and our Jesus responses that he's getting at here. Right belief always produces right responses. But, I can study this from a, just a knowledge standpoint, an intelligence standpoint, a college course, uh, uh, just read something from literature like you would read Socrates and Plato and, and some other people. I can read it from a knowledge-based point, and if I don't have right, um, right belief in it that I apply all of it, it's not going to affect my actions at all. So I, I read the word to then fully apply the word, not pick and choose, no Thomas Jefferson going on here, where I cut out things I don't like. I apply the fullness, the wholeness of the word to my life so that I can live it out and look and sound and act like Jesus. The gift of salvation itself demands that we put into practice the character of our king, the one who saved you and I. In verse 17, like I I made mention of it, it says we're ambassadors of Jesus now. So I need to study the word and, and, and know what it says and then, and then live it out. I have to know what needs to go from my life to be removed 
or to be repented of if I'm, if I'm making wrong choices and then, and then change from that. Repentance is I recognize this is wrong according to your spirit and the word of God. Please forgive me and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna live different. I'm not gonna just ask for forgiveness and keep going in that same way. True repentance changes my behavior and my thinking. And since our lives have been made new in Jesus, things like sexual immorality or greed, anger, lying, uh, self-centeredness, gossiping, all those types of things must go, must be removed from our lives. But it's not enough to just strip off the old. Paul says, to do what? After you strip off the old, what do you, what do, you do? You put on the clothing of Christ. So what does that look like? Well, he describes some of it here. He says this, as you put on these Jesus lives now, these Jesus clothes, and live that out, you have tender-hearted mercy. It's being gentle as you treat others in a way maybe they don't deserve. Maybe they didn't act or, or say something, or, or they're not living in a way that deserves tenderhearted mercy, but are we told to only give tenderhearted mercy to the deserving? No. Did Jesus give you tenderhearted mercy when you were shaking your fist at him with how you lived your life before him? No. I mean, yes, he did, right? I mean, I was so angry at God for being good. I don't know why, I can't understand me back then, but I, I lived just basically shaking my fist, and he just kept showing mercy Showing mercy, being tender towards me. And it bugged me. So I'm like, I would rather you be mean to me because then I could prove that that's who you are. But doggone it, if you keep loving on me. Tenderhearted mercy. Kindness. We, get, we show kindness not according to how they're acting, but, but according to how Jesus did it. He showed kindness to so many who didn't deserve it. And we see it all throughout scripture. Gentleness. Here's a, here's a good way to, to how am I going to act gentle towards this person or live gentle towards this person? Pretend that you're the only one on the planet that won't break that person. Like they're so fragile, everybody else wants to break them. You're the only one who's willing to show them the gentleness in a way that they won't be broken and then live that out. It's like, yeah, but they, they put themselves here and here and here. That person's really smart and, and, and follows Jesus and like they're being this way to them. Just... What are they? they're just they're just a fragile, fragile being, and maybe you're the only one that's going to show them gentleness and not break them apart even more. Just do that for them, and then let Jesus figure out the rest of it. Patience, that's a tough one. But what if it took your gentleness and your kindness for twelve years or so in that person's life in order for them to finally say yes to Jesus? Would it be worth it? Sure. What if you spent five years, this, this, maybe this person knows Jesus but is living a terrible life of following Jesus and you spent five years of just, just loving that person, showing grace, not condoning what they're doing but, but not quitting on them and you just spent five years just being gentle and kind to that person and then they didn't really change but they moved away. And they met somebody that was similar to you and for three years poured out gentleness and kindness and she finally gave her life to the Lord. Would it be worth it? Yeah, it would. We're talking eternity on the line for people. 
He doesn't give us qualifiers for how to be tenderhearted and kind and gentle and patient. He just says, be this. And if that lifestyle, those clothes weren't enough, this Bible that we believe in goes even further and says, make allowance for each other's faults. Bear with people when they're knuckleheads. Have forbearance for that person who keeps sinning in that way. Forgive that person who keeps offending you. How many times? 70 times 7 plus 70 times 7. I don't know. But we're told just keep on forgiving. No qualifiers. It doesn't, again, mean that I condone it. It just means that I love them like Jesus loved them. He never condoned that Matthew stole from his own people as a tax collector. He was a thief, a crook. He, he, he made people's lives miserable. And what Jesus said was, hey, come follow me. Follow me. And as Matthew began to follow him, Jesus began to change him. He showed him kindness and tenderness. He showed him acceptance when no one else anywhere. The Romans hated him because he's a Jew. And the Jews hated him because he's a thief of his own people. He had no one until Jesus came. Maybe that person has no one that's ever committed long-term or even painstakingly short-term for them. And you're the one that's not gonna break them anymore. And maybe they act and live in a way that they've definitely put themselves in a place to be broken and you're just finally gonna be the one who doesn't break them. These are the ways to live like and love like Jesus. Kind, tender, patient, forgiving, generous love, grace upon grace upon grace. That's how we live. And then finally, as, as, as we live Bible-believing, because that's, that's who we are, we're a Bible-believing church that has unity in the essentials, one Lord, and grace in everything, whatever that looks like. We're told how to be a family and a community uh, when we don't see things eye to eye. The Bible gives us ways to act and live. doesn't give us like specific things we're not going to see eye to eye on, but it tells us uh, an overriding attitude and heart uh, attitude to have towards one another when we don't see eye to eye in the things that are non-essential. And, and always gonna, it's always gonna start with grace. And then it's gonna have a little dose of grace and then it's gonna end with grace uh, in everything. I love what Paul writes in Romans 14, one. And I think the message sums it up so perfectly for, it's a challenge, but it, it says it so perfectly for us. He says, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems they are strong on opinion, but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. In essence, we accept one another. We love each other well. We listen to each other. We grow together. We show people that we still favor them even if we disagree with non-essential things. That, that relationship matters most. And where we differ on certain things that we have grace for one another. 
If somebody calls himself a believer and says, well, Jesus is not the way, well, yeah, we need to walk that through a little tighter and a little more uh, specifically. But if it's, hey, creation happened in six days or creation happened over millions of years and six days is just a, you know, a day is a thousand years to the Lord kind of thing, those are non-essentials. We don't need to fight. We don't need to fight over those things. The end times, we know what's absolute in there and then we know some, a lot of stuff we don't really know. We have different uh, things that we, we've come to conclusion with as we studied and heard and listened and, and, and have different people speak into our lives. But, but it's a non-essential. Jesus is the essential. That he's coming back is essential. But we have grace in those other things. We love and accept where we see things differently in non-essential. And here's, about, here's a thing about the, a church that is Bible-believing. Again, it's not about knowledge or study or perfect theology. Are those things great? Yes. But it's not about those. It's about becoming like Jesus. And then loving and treating everyone else like Jesus does. That's the main reason anybody should ever open this word, is to know Jesus what Jesus did, who Jesus was, how I act like Jesus, uh, learn more about him. It's not to, have, to come up with, I've got the perfect theology now, everybody follow me. It's, man, I'm becoming more like Jesus because I read the word and I know this is how I'm supposed to act now. I'm not supposed to do that now. I'm supposed to do this now. I'm supposed to be generous with my time, talents, and treasure. Whatever it is where we can apply it, it's all in here and it's all Jesus. And so a Bible-believing church is a church that reads the Word and studies the Word because Jesus matters most of all. There's a passage uh, right before I close I want to I share with you. It's from the, uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. It's been one of my um, overriding passages in my entire life um, as far as uh, renewed life in Jesus. Jeremiah is dealing with Man, he's frustrated at his people. He's kind of a little bit frustrated at God for either not saving them or, you know, he's like, he, he can't quite figure out, put into words what he's saying. But he's like, they're knuckleheads and you, you can't seem to get their attention, God. And he's just, he's just beside himself. And then he finally just breaks down and he prays. And he says this, when I discovered your words, God, I devoured them. They are my joy. And my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O God, O Lord God of heaven's armies. You see, the grass withers and the flower fades, we're told in Isaiah, but the word of the Lord stands forever and it shows us exactly what to do. And so I want to encourage you, get into the word because of Jesus. Don't get into the word because you're trying to complete some life class. Get into the word because of Jesus and show a lot of grace towards other people. Unity in the essentials, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God above all, one Trinity. Those are the essentials. And then grace in everything else as we walk life through with each other. You show grace, people will be drawn to that. It is, it is like a magnet. It draw, grace draws people. And, and you can't really attack grace. I mean, you can, but who attacks somebody for being nice? They're going to basically be just 
piling it on themselves and, and, and let them. And then love them in the midst of it all. I'm gonna pray. Uh, I'll have you remain seated. Uh, and after I pray, Pastor Jeremy's gonna come up and lead us uh, into a time of communion. Um, my prayer for us is this, is that you would have this intense desire to know the word of God so that you can know the heart of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for calling us to be a Bible-believing church. Uh, it sounds a little like, duh, but, but that's what you've called us to be, a church that, that is in the word, lives from the word, makes decisions based in the word, that we, that we go out into all the world because the word of God says so, but ultimately it's all because the word of God is you, Jesus. And so as we are a Bible-believing church and a Bible-believing people, we are a Jesus-following people. We wanna be the ambassadors that you have called us to be. Everyone in this room who calls you king, who calls you savior, has been called and commissioned to be your ambassador to the world around us. And so I pray that we would fall in love with the written word of God, which is you, Jesus. And then we'd live out of that. And if there's anyone in this room who's never taken their lives and placed it before them and said, Jesus, this is, this, I give you my heart and I accept you, that they would make that decision right now saying, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I long to follow you. Take this broken vessel and make it whole. And they would give their lives to you wholly. And then they would receive all that you are along with the forgiveness of every sin for all time and be eternally set in heaven with you forever. So I pray that anyone who has to make that decision could make it right now and then follow that up with taking communion and remembering what you did for us on the cross. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the one faith that we have in you that we don't have to hunt it down or figure out how, how to deal with multiple faiths, but we have one faith. And I pray we'd fall in love with the one written word of God. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.